Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Barebones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission, what I stand for is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and effectively so that you can help your students learn and as a result grow your impact and connection this mission reflects the core ways of being that i work to develop in teachers confidence clarity purpose impact and connection through my mentorship program and my online learning program called your yoga anatomy blueprint I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, but almost more importantly, help them learn how to move beyond their self-limiting beliefs so that they can be strong, confident, and clear when they teach. I know from experience that personal barriers are just as important to address as learning anatomy for teachers. I also recognize that the current system of training teachers is leaving them with a gap, both in their anatomy knowledge and areas of personal growth. I hear more times than not, I graduated from my teacher training, but I'm too afraid to teach. My mission is to help you move past the fear, embrace your true nature, teach you the key aspects of anatomy so you're armed with what you need to know to be an effective teacher and coach you along the way. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information on my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. All right. So hi, everybody. My name is Karen Fabian. I'm the founder of Bare Bones Yoga, and this is my podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. We're here at episode 65, and this is the second in my special series of podcast episodes, all focused on giving you information and talking about topics that are germane and relevant right now, given what's going on in uh, really our global community with the outbreak of the coronavirus. Now, these episodes are not meant to go into the science uh, around corona or that in particular, but they are really an offshoot of the reality that we're all living in right now, that this is kind of our front and center issue that we are all dealing with on a global level. And as a result, there are some just really natural uh, topics that are coming to the fore right now because of it. So I wanted to use this podcast as an opportunity to get some experts on, to have them talk to you about things that I really feel are, and even from some feedback I've gotten from people in my Facebook group, just things that people are thinking about right now. And so one of the topics I know are on people's minds are just feelings of, uh, I was going to say concern, but it's really more than that, fear, anxiety, um, you know, people who maybe are managing depression, feeling like they're more depressed than usual, just all of the emotional responses to a situation like this. And so I have a good friend of mine, a colleague yoga teacher, someone that I have had uh, do presentations and collaborations with at some of my live events, Amber Bark with me. And first I wanna welcome Amber to the podcast. Thank you, Karen. Happy to be here. Yes. Now, Amber and I both, just for listeners, uh, are in the Boston area. She's in Cambridge, I'm in Boston. We're 
you know, in the same area generally. And um, so we're both local and we teach in uh, the same studio. So I run into Amber a lot. And I knew that when I was thinking of this topic, I definitely wanted her to address it. So I want to start out by just giving you, Amber, just an opportunity to share a little bit about, you know, kind of your background and your approach to working with people, how you help them. Sure. Um, and I, I'll just start by saying that um, I feel like such a novice right now. I mean, I definitely have the years of clinical background in helping people manage depression and anxiety and trauma. And so much right now is so different that, you know, myself and my colleagues, um, a lot of us are just feeling like, like a lot of people are feeling that this is just all brand new. And so, um, I am the expert, but I'm not the expert on, on the present moment, but that's, that we, will, we will flesh that out in the rest of the episode and you know how, how to go easy on ourselves and to, and to work with that. And so a little yeah. bit of humility to start with. Um, but you know, as a, as a psychotherapist um, for the past maybe 13, 14 years or so in the Boston area, I've been working with clients um, almost exclusively who have issues around um, eating, food-related disorders, exercise-related disorders, um, <clears throat> but also um, clients that experience or have experienced trauma, anxiety, depression. Um, and so it sort of like covers the whole gamut, right? Because usually the food and the eating is a symptom of what's underneath. It's like the coping skill that's, that's you know, used to deal with like the stress and the dysfunction that's underneath. Um, and so about 10 years ago, I started to teach yoga and I started to study meditation and mindfulness. And through, through the course of that sort of, I've integrated that into my clinical practice with, um, I mean, I had to do, do it for myself primarily at first. <laughs> it was like, you know, how do I find ways to cope with like constantly hearing people talk about their, um, their fears and anxieties and, and moods and problems. And so, you know, I experienced such benefit in studying Buddhism and mindfulness and the Dharma and um, just the teachings of so many teachers that have come before us and um, how to calm the mind and how to calm the body um, because that does, that's not always covered in the curriculum when you learn how to be a therapist, right. <laughs> you know, like how to actually calm your own body. Yeah. Um, but I think it's absolutely necessary. And so I was lucky to be working with populations that had very body-based issues, you know, like an eating disorder is a very body-based issue. Trauma right. is, is very much happening in the body and the nervous system. And so, you know, at some point just intuitively, you know, I had to, I had to figure out a way how to integrate those two pieces with, you know, for myself, but also with my clients. Right. And so I'm coming so, in, I'm coming into it from both of those directions. Right. So it was a great kind of partnered subject matter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, just wove itself into my clinical practice very, very easily very easily. Mm -hmm. so I have some psychotherapy clients that want to learn more about yoga or want to do breathing work or want to do meditation. And that's, it's, it's almost effortless. And I have yoga clients that I meet with exclusively to do yin yoga or to do meditation or to do gentle yoga. And, um, I don't know, they might spend the first 20 minutes talking a little bit about what's happening in their life. And, and it's just, it's not separate. It's mm -hmm. not separate. So yeah, that's kind of a unique blend because I think people obviously see clients privately for yoga sessions and then there's okay. obviously 
therapy sessions you go to. Mm-hmm. And so you have a skill set in both areas. So you can actually offer both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel lucky and grateful to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, something you said that I didn't think about before as a question, but something I saw online, um, it just reminded me of that. So I want to just kind of take a little sidebar here. Sure. Um, I think initially somebody was joking around. I saw something on online about, oh, now that we have to kind of stay in more, all the introverts are kind of like, hey, this is what we do all the time anyway. And so that was kind of like, haha, LOL. But then <laughs> yesterday I saw something that said, um, if you've lived with trauma all your life, this is kind of like what it's like for us all the time. Interesting. And I just like, oh, I just like even just saying it right now, it just makes a lump in my throat because mm. it's just such a, um, I mean, I think the gut reaction a lot of times to what is um, happening right now is something that is maybe foreign for some people, but for other people is kind of a low grade frequency or medium or high grade frequency that they Mm -hmm. have all the time. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And, you know, I really appreciate just how much you're able to touch into the feeling about that, just hearing you talk about it. And I I can see you, you know, your listeners can't see you, but, you know, just to to see the effective sort of shift that, that, um, I mean, that's really what happens, right? That, you know, something, fear becomes real. Yeah. Um, either because it's, there's actually something happening in our surroundings or because it's happening in our nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of times, I think for a lot of people who don't struggle with daily symptoms of trauma or daily anxiety, um, have a, and have a lot of distractions from the, the scary things in the world, which to be quite honest, the world's always very uncertain. The world's always unstable. That's what, that's what the meditation and mindfulness and Buddhist practices teach us. We can't really rely on anything to grasp and cling to, um, but yet we sort of build our lives around this, around what we can control and this sense of solidity when it's actually not that solid. Um, but some people don't, some people day to day don't, don't even have that. Right. Mm -hmm. And some people are really, and I think, I think a lot of people who are sensitive or a lot of people who are empaths really can feel the suffering in the world and the anxiety of the world. And I think that, you know, that post on Instagram, wherever it came from really does have a, a a nice whisper of truth and universality to it. Yeah. Where, you know, some people do feel like this all the time. Now, whether or not they're coping with that effectively, they have the strategies, they have the resources, they have this, the support to be able to work with that is a different story. Right. right? But, but, you know, a lot of people now I think are experienced um, being very close to a fear and anxiety that is always there in some way, but, but, is harder for some, some of us to access. Right. And those of us that can overwork and keep ourselves busy and go to the gym every day and, you know, control this or control that when really we don't have that much control. Right. So it sounds like you're saying there's kind of, and I don't want to really make it be like there's people here and there's people there, but there's, there's a certain kind of person who kind of manages day-to-day uncertainty in a certain way. And then Mm -hmm. there's, you know, maybe different you know, kind of varieties of people's ability to do that. 
Although now I feel like because of what's happened and because it is a global situation, it's not even like something we can say, oh, it's just in China or whatever. Um, it's now something that everyone is facing. So mm -hmm. this idea of like some of the features of this particular scenario, the uncertainty of how long it's gonna last and, and the restrictions put on people's movement um, and some of the fears that that brings up. Can we talk a little bit about, I mean, I don't wanna necessarily jump right to strategies, but I kind of feel like good. Yeah. it's a good time to kind of say, okay, so what do we do? I mean, I know some of the Buddhist thinking is like, hey, transience is part of life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, even on a personal level, I can sit with it and that helps. Is there something kind of on the cognitive level that's like, oh, you could do X, yeah. Y, and Z? Yeah, I think it's important too to, to understand. So a lot of Buddhist practices um, and meditation and mindfulness practices do um, support or um, suggest to uh, investigate what's happening in the mind. Mm -hmm. However, first we have to be grounded in the body. And mm -hmm. so there's a really important sort of bridge there where a, if you can sit with it, you're, you're in a good place. So good for you, for your, your own meditation practice and your own yoga yeah. practice and your, our own physical practices to be able to sit with this. Um, but, you know, eventually the, the, the goal of the practice is to be able to be grounded in the body so that we can investigate what's happening in the mind, right? And so the strategies around grounding the body, I mean, we know, we know as yoga teachers a lot more than maybe the general layperson is, you know, feeling your feet on the floor, and knowing how to feel the sensations in your breath, right? Mm -hmm. And feeling the air in your nostrils and feeling the lungs fill up and feeling the lungs empty and, and feeling the pressure of the chair supporting your spine and um, being able to stay with that and practice doing that long enough so that your nervous system is able to decompress mm -hmm. so that then you're able to have more clarity and more space between the thoughts. Right. Not to make the mind, a lot of people have the misconception with meditation and, and with therapy too, right? That, that it's about making the mind clear or clean or to never have a negative thought or to never have a thought, right? But that's actually not the intention. The intention is to be able to see clearly. It's to be able to understand, oh, my mind tends to proliferate in this way right? You know, I tend to be somebody who struggles with scarcity. So the way that this is showing up for me is I'm ruminating about whether or not the grocery stores are going to stay open, right? And then, and we could ruminate about whether the grocery stores are going to stay open and immediately Google grocery store hours, or we could pause, take a deep breath, pet our dog, hang in a forward bend, you know, <laughs> smile at our partner or call a friend on Skype. And, you know, that interruption of, okay. you know, uh, that, that space, it's almost like I, I picture, I'm such a visual, visual person, I picture a, a door stop. Like yep. you just put a stop in the door between the thoughts and that can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of what you're describing is the action you can take to yes. kind of break the cycle. It's all about breaking the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's what you feel. It's the feeling component, but the breaking the cycle is also kind of the, the mind component. Like Right. Yeah. And learning how to at least not add any fuel to the fire, 
not to throw logs on the fire. If the fire that's burning is negative thinking, don't throw more negative thoughts on there. Um, you know, I work with a lot of clients who have, you know, who are proliferating about fears of scarcity, for example, we're using that as an example. And then the secondary thought might be, well, why am I, why am I worrying so much about this? There are people who are much worse off than me or, oh, right. oh gosh, I'm worrying again. You know, my anxiety is never going to improve and, you know, and, and become critical and self-judgmental. Okay. We don't have to do that. Right. Um, but we have to be aware that we're doing it in order to be able to stop doing it. Right. And so, so it sounds yeah. like the step-by-step process is to, to ground yourself in awareness with some technique. So yes. whether it's meditation or some other mindfulness, just being mm-hmm. aware of the sensation. It could be anything, you know, petting your dog, right. doing jumping jacks. Yeah, jumping, whatever. And then from that, from that technique to be more connected to your body, to then do something to kind of, shift the direction of your thought pattern mm-hmm. and all those other suggestions you made, pet your dog, make a phone call to somebody is mm-hmm. kind of the doorstop. That was your mm-hmm. metaphor there, the doorstop yeah. to kind of shift the thoughts off their current path. Yeah. And I, and I should also say just as a caveat or, or for clarification, we don't only have to be doing sort of the skillful thing or like the healthy thing to be able to stop and pause and have awareness. Like somebody can become really aware as they're holding a cigarette or like about to smoke a cigarette. You can, you can pause and be like, what am I doing? You know, regardless of whether or not you smoke the cigarette or not, you can say, how does this smell? You know, what does this feel like in my hand? Yeah. You know, this is, the practice is not... <sighs> It's not meant to, like, we want to try to actually try to take, like, the positive and the negative and the should be doing it this way and the shouldn't be doing that way out of it and right. give ourselves a really wide latitude. Like, right. and anything can be our classroom, right. right? You know, I could be sleeping, you know, I could be just, like, pulling the covers over my head and just dissociating and trying to just shut the day out and I can become aware that I'm doing that. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm really going away right now. Do I need, do I need to be away? Do I need to just give myself permission to sleep through the day or do, you know, could I get up and be present? Is it really as scary as I think it is? Like right. really, and that's self-compassion. Right. 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 And so and we can say, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing my best. It's okay to just do my best. Right. Right. So that compassion <laughs> of that compassion is kind of an acknowledgement of the situation right now, which as you mm-hmm. said, it's kind of, completely unfamiliar to all of us. So mm-hmm. it sounds like you're saying where you might maybe rein it in a little bit more under different circumstances. In these circumstances, we can kind of give ourselves a lot of latitude. Yeah. For things yeah. Like I wonder, I wonder if ideally in all circumstances, we should give ourselves a, a, a lot of latitude, but it's, yeah. it's not a skill that a lot of us have. I'm my, myself very much included. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, again, I don't want to harp too much on like getting into the nitty gritty about mm-hmm. a virus and what's happening. I do think though, especially when we talk about fear, there is the real fear that people have around being sick. Yes. And I remember even for myself, there was a point when this was just beginning to pick up steam that I just kept saying to myself, I just have to keep washing my hands. It's not like it's going to jump from one person's body to mine. But then as more information came out, it was like, oh, it can be transmitted if you touch something. Oh, it can be possibly transmitted if you get in an elevator and someone sneezes and you walk in right away. So then it was like, oh, I have less control over Mm -hmm. what 
I can possibly do to grow. So then like even in my own body, things started to kind of escalate a bit. And then I just keep kind of saying, you know what? All the things that you can do, you do. How though do people kind of manage that kind of anxiety around just their physical health? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think to loop back, you know, a lot of roads lead back to present moment awareness. I think in this circumstance included, um, in those moments where the fear is happening, you know, in that same way that you were able to say, okay, I could feel what was happening in my body, that there was a constriction happening when I started to think about, you know, the ways in which I could be getting sick. The reality is we don't know. We don't know how it can be transmitted we don't. We know a little bit about what is a very quickly evolving and and very very strange and bizarre reality of of you know not having experts know all of the details, right. and so the fear is running rampant. Right. And so you you sort of alluded to this. And so one of the strategies is to notice how the way the fear feels in your body. How do I experience fear? Does it constrict my belly? You know, do I feel it as a tightening in my throat? Because I don't know much about the coronavirus and, and the ways in which it's transmitted, but I do know that, that stress makes us more susceptible to getting sick. Yeah. And stress makes us less able to call on our resources. And so, you know, there are, there are actually ways in which you can calm your nervous system in the midst of that fear response by just naming and noticing the physical sensations of the fear, right? That, oh, I'm fearful right now like even you could say, like you just said, like, yep. I, you know, like to kind of stop yourself and be like, okay, here it is. It's happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then also to be able to, you know, gratitude practice and kindness practices are really therapeutic for being able to work with that fear and, and to think about, okay, you know, my feet are on the ground. I'm breathing well right now. I'm alive today. The sun is shining. You know, I can look at my dog or I can look at a picture of my friend's um, right. kid and, and just focus, shift the focus and shift the awareness and shift the perspective. This is not to distract or deny the very scary re reality, but it's to practice being able to shift our minds and our mindsets to say, okay, you know, there's a balance to this. Mm -hmm. So we can sit with and tolerate the fear. We can feel it in our bodies. Of course you feel scared right now. Of course everybody feels scared right now. This is really scary. Right, right. You know, right. and yeah, and, and it's possible that, that we'll be okay. Right. And, right. and at least we're okay right now. Like right now I'm in my living room in my makeshift office and you're in your room and, and yeah. we're okay. We're talking and connecting and, and sharing some laughs. And right. for now that's, that's really good. Right. Right. Now along the lines of what you said in terms of balance, you know, I think about how everything in terms of the input, that we are consuming right now is completely not in balance. Mm -hmm. So how as an individual, as you know, how do you balance the need to stay updated and the need to have balance? So what, what's, what's your thoughts there? <laughs> oh, I wish I had some, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have something to say. And that's a really hard one. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think, I think tr trusting the recommendations that are coming from, from what we can best say are legitimate sources right now is really important. Like the CDC and medical professionals and public health experts, um, 
is the most reliable strategy. Yeah, for, just, that's a, that's my opinion. Where, but I'm just saying, like, I I think like at the beginning, people might have been constantly tuning into TV reports. It seems like oh yeah, no, you have to take a break from that. <laughs> you have to take a break from that, especially yeah. because most people's work has now moved to virtual and online. So we're in front of the screens all the time. You know, I ran my psychotherapy group last night virtually via Zoom, and one of the clients made this really um, insightful comment, and she said, basically what we're having to do right now is everything that your therapists and your, your, your mental health experts tell you not to do, right? Like stay at home and, and be in front of the screens and, you know, and, and stay away from other people. Right. And so we're actually having to do things now in a way that is, is presumably a little bit more stressful for, you know, we're on our screens. We see the emails coming in. We see the news popping up. And, and I think we have to limit our consumption. And I'm still personally figuring out how to do that. Right. You know, like how to, how to limit the windows and to just sign out of all of the non-necessary things that are on my computer screen and not have the alerts come up on my phone. So I'm not seeing everything come in and the updates. And um, I've been suggesting for clients to take, you know, a mindful news mindful news hour in the middle of the day or at the, or, you know, middle of the day is best because you can't do that right before going to sleep. Right. <laughs> you right. want to do it first thing in the morning well, and have exactly. your time. It's like, you know, in, I mean, it's different for everybody, but presumably whatever, whatever schedule works for you. And, and again, it's okay if it doesn't work out exactly as you planned, but can you take a chunk of time to tune into the media can you take a chunk of time to actually be disconnected from your devices and mm -hmm. go for a walk or mm -hmm. to do a yoga practice at home? Mm -hmm. um, but it's tough because it, right now people are practicing, you know, people are live streaming their yoga. And so right. you're practicing in front of the screen. <laughs> you know, it's like you have, you have the news flash popping up and, and doing your best to um, just disconnect as much as possible, knowing that it's not going to be disconnecting like you might've been able to disconnect before. Right, right. We do need a healthy dose of knowing what's going on and our trusted sources um, and trying to, trying to stay away from the hearsay, I think is a helpful thing. You know, I've, I've actually, I've had clients talk about um, how they've had to be really assertive with friends and family and just say, um, I can't really, I can't really have discussions about this um, with you in, in, unless it's, it's information that's coming from a, you know, legitimate source. Yeah. You or know, because everybody has like a story of like, they've heard this from their dad and they've heard this from yeah. their friend and then so-and-so in San Francisco said this. Right. Right. Yeah. Or even if you have, I have a couple of friends right now that are really, really digging in to get into the negative, like doomsday so deep. And I was getting texts from them like, oh. and I just stopped responding. And I was like, for so you to writing them and saying, you know what, I'm out of this, like, please stop. But I didn't want to hurt their feelings because this is where they're at right now. It's where uh, they are. Yeah. And, and, and how can you maybe send them kindness or compassion or, you know, meditate, you meditate on, on a sense of well, well wishing or well being for them, but yeah. not get yourself caught up in that negative loop. Right, right. And again, I guess I'm just trying not to make it about me, but just to kind of bring it up as a topic in terms of similar to what you said and what your clients said, that insightful observation that they made, 
you know, how is it part of our strategies right now for our mental health yes. to try to create these sort of boundaries between us yeah. and media, us and maybe friends or family who are mm -hmm. really in the negativity? Mm -hmm. You know, we have yeah. Yeah, and you know, and, and something that I've worked with a lot just in my own process is how to, how to create boundaries. I'm not perfect at this, but how to create those boundaries without being rigid or sharp with yeah. it, you know? And for a yeah. long time, I, you know, if something wasn't working for me or if there was a negative, negative relationship, you know, it was just sort of like firm, firm boundary, you know, just had to create that space. And that's okay too, because sometimes you need that, but how to set a boundary that is, is a little bit softer and just say, you know, um, I can't do that right now, but I'm going to go and, and, you know, and, and you don't have to say this out loud, but you can say it to yourself, I'm going to go in and maybe get, get more resourced, right? Like I'm going to go and meditate or do some yoga or practice some loving kindness and then go back to the conversation and know that I'm okay. Right. I can listen to my dad proliferate or my, or my brother proliferate about something that's not helpful to, to be around. Um, but I can also just hold space and know that I'm okay and not have to, not have to um, fall into the negative. Um, yeah. 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 That's interesting that you say that it's almost like you can, you can still be okay, even though the other person's not okay. Right. That's a healthy boundary. You know, that's. Yeah. Somehow them not being okay doesn't mean you're not okay. They're right. just having their experience. Kind right. Of. Right. And that's, that's, that's a crux of um, mental wellness and mental well-being is knowing, knowing that our, our well-being, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions are not dependent on somebody else's. Yeah. And it's the opposite of codependency. Right. 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 Now, this and that includes Facebook, right? Like my well-being is, is not dependent on what's happening on my Facebook screen right now right. or how, how many emails are coming in. And so it's like really knowing like, nope, I'm still okay. I'm just as okay as I was a minute ago, but now the fear is back and, and I'm pressing pause and I'm doing my practices and right. it's hard, but we just, and we have to right now do that in a completely different way. I think it, it's happening faster for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's not as clear. We're doing it from the confines of our own home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's uncharted territory. So for people who have, you know, we talked earlier about empaths and introverts and you know i don't know how familiar people are i think introvert is kind of a commonly understood term the empath being someone who in my understanding is like super sensitive to what other people are going through and i don't know where like loneliness comes into play if that's like a quality of those personality types but if people are feeling like they're you know, they're isolated and lonely. What are some things that they might be able to do given social distancing? I know. Um, well, a lot of what's really coming out of this that, that's really positive is that a lot of organizations and a lot of communities have been um, very quick to get up to speed on how to socially connect in a healthy way. Um, so, you know, we talk about sort of like, just like scrolling down the, the news feed on Facebook, maybe not being a, such a healthy way to connect. But um, I, I've heard from, from clients that a lot of AA meetings and NA meetings and 12-step programming is happening online right now. Um, most group therapy is moving to online right now. Yeah. Um, you can... Um, 
through your own sort of social networks. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of teen, a lot of young people who are just so much better at this than, yeah. than I am, or maybe our generation is, yeah. um, have, have found ways to, you know, like have a social hour. Um, a friend of mine had been on Facebook and like every day she's holding up like a different deck of cards and the cards have like questions on them. Like, would you rather fight? Yeah. This is actually one of them. Would you either, rather f have to fight a horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses. <laughs> right. And just to see, right. But like, that's the, you know, it's like, it's fun and it's funny and you're yeah. looking at everybody's comments. And so like yeah. very specifically um, reaching out and, and forming a sense of community yeah. in the ways that you have on purpose. So it's like really being intentional and really being mindful you know, I just connected today with my friend Alex over FaceTime and it was, it was hard to schedule that because, you know, I have clients and I'm just back from vacation and, and there's a lot of need right now. And, you know, we're both introverted, so it's harder, it's harder to schedule face-to-face -face time. But the, at the end of it, we both said to each other and tried to like, just sort of socially contract to say, let's do this very regularly right now because it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. It's so nice yeah. to connect you know, face to face, and it is the antidote to no loneliness. So, but I think it really takes intentionality, right? You know, and it's not just going to happen. It's you're not going to automatically feel connected if you're on Facebook, yeah. but you might feel connected if you schedule a Zoom call with you know a couple of your good friends. Right, right. right. Do you feel like as much as local restrictions allow, even just getting outside your house and seeing other people, even that you don't know, <laughs> might be helpful too? I think that it were I think that it works for me. I think it I think that a lot of that has might have to do with people's comfort levels and being around you know, here in Cambridge it's just streets are narrow and it's, and some stretches, it's impossible to keep a social distance. But, um, you know, when I go out with the dog or when I go out for a run, it's, it's wonderful to see neighbors and to give a wave and to just say, hanging in there. And I see somebody I know or a yoga student every block or so. Yeah. And that really feels, feels great, you know, and we have next door neighbors that I could probably lean out the window and see and, you know, who are offering support and the Cambridge community is, um, there are ways to volunteer your time to go food shopping for um, maybe an, an elderly person that's not able to do it for themselves or to offer to um, volunteer your time to do a FaceTime or a Skype call with maybe somebody and yeah. um, giving generosity, what the Buddhists call Donna um, is, a, is a way to really counteract some of that loneliness and fear as well. Yeah. So like yeah. if we can give, um, our time or our energy or our resources yeah. in some way, you know, supporting local businesses. Yeah. Big one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it sounds like you're saying just that doing of something for someone else can help with that feeling of isolation. Absolutely. And, and I think to go back to your, you know, question about just getting outside and seeing people around, I think that that absolutely, absolutely helps. Yeah. You know, getting and, and making eye contact with people and smiling at that person and just saying hello. Yeah. You know, there can be there can be so much healing and so much energy just in in, you know, a, a second worth of distanced <laughs> social yeah. contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, okay, so um in in this last in these last couple of minutes, I just wanna since you have kind of the 
expertise in both areas from a yoga movement perspective mm -hmm. any particular like shapes we should be doing things yeah. we be doing to help with like the nervous system down right right i think a anything that you're able to do do <laughs> off the bat because it's very it's very hard to roll out the mat and get on the mat and to do anything so if for people who don't have a very sophisticated practice if you know one pose and yeah. you know how to do something or just stand up or if you only know how to lie on your back and take a spinal twist do what you know how to do first off yep for those of us that have a little bit more knowledge of different shapes or would like to learn more in google shapes you know anything in the category of forward bending is going to be more calming and relaxing and down regulating so standing forward bends for people who can do it um, if you have tighter hamstrings or a tighter low back you can you can bend forward and put your forearms on the couch or a big chair yeah. um, child's pose for people whose knees will allow mm -hmm. child's pose um, there's a yin shape called butterfly it's mm -hmm. together it's sort of like a baddha konasana but a little bit of a uh, longer baddha with feet together knees out and then you sort of um, lazily and in a very relaxed way fold forward and hang the head down mm -hmm. um, those are really really good ones if you know down dog that can be a little bit more invigorating and balancing inverted yeah. posture um, legs up the wall to mm -hmm. to get just a difference in perspective yeah and to yeah. down regulate in that way okay so all yeah. of those yeah, I mean, you could just piece those together. I mean, just what yep. you laid out, that actually makes a really nice sequence. Just yeah. kind of go through those. All yeah, and, and you know, that's not a hard and fast rule either too because, you know, as we're talking about this and as I think about this, so much of us are sitting because we're sitting at our computers. It, intuitively, it feels better to stand up and open the heart and lift and, and do some supported heart openers and backward bending. That's, you know, that could be really useful too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Just go with your feelings. Go with your gut and trust yourself and do what feels right. Um, yeah. Especially if you have a little bit more of a practice. Yeah. And yeah. You know, if you don't, try it out and see what feels right and do more of what feels right and do less of what feels stressful. Yeah. It's like overall, that's a really good, really good <laughs> mantra. Do what feels right right now and, and trust your intuition. Yeah. I like that you just said that. And, you know, as we wrap up here, I think when you said, mantra it kind of reminded me of you know when you're meditating and you have that little phrase sometimes you use it as mm -hmm. a technique um i would imagine that could potentially be like helpful right now is to have something that you're mm -hmm. repeating to yourself yeah whatever. whatever's and whatever's important to you i think that question of really asking yourself what's important to me what's important to me to me today you say if you wake up in the morning that's your mantra right is joy important to you today is is health and safety important for you and, and you know like there are little ways in which we can connect to those intentions and those mantras yeah. right is connection important to you and whatever's important to you you can i i have a lot of belief in people's um resource and resiliency I see it all the time, you know, more so than people think that they have. But, you know, to just constantly be, be reminding yourself, this is my intention just for the day, just for one day. Right. right. One day at a time is such a useful strategy and, and mantra. And, yeah. you know, in, right, that's, that's, that's the so long that one day at a time, there's a reason that that's such like, like a time tested mantra. So I think that, 
you know, if you don't have something, maybe that's a good thing to start with. Just one day at a time, or I breathe in and I breathe out, you know, or I'm, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm right here right now. I'm okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Well, I feel like I got a little therapy right now. So I'm actually feeling oh, good. <laughs> I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> yeah, this actually worked out really well for me. That's great. Um, That's great. So yeah, I, I did try to keep it global as well. But no, in all seriousness, sure. I really, really thank you. And I, I just, I know right now that this is going to really resonate with people and touch on things that I know they've been thinking of. I hope so. uh, really, really, really appreciate it. And it was great to see you. So I got that advantage as well. I'll have some connection, virtual connection with you. So thank you so, so much. And I hope to see you in person soon. I hope so too. Even if it's maybe just, you know, going for a walk on the river, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe text each other and tell each other, like, I'll be on this side of the river and you'll be on that side of the river. We can have a big wave, but yeah. Yeah. I just am wishing everybody in, in our community and, and glo more global and more broadly. Well, you know, and lots of health and safety and wellness yes. out there. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a good weekend. And I Thanks, will talk Karen. to you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.